Well, this morning I'd like to take a, a little break from Ephesians, and I've titled this morning's message, What's Next? It's been a crazy few months for our nation with the, uh, with the uh, coronavirus and uh, with so many things shutting down, people being out of work, having to stay at home, and all this social distancing stuff. It's been pretty crazy. Now, things are starting to get back to normal as far as that's concerned. And of course, then we've got the other crazy stuff going on up in uh, Minneapolis right now as well. And as we start to have church services again next week, and as things start moving towards some kind of normalness, I've asked the question, what does God have for us next? What does he have for us next? Because, you know, this, all that happened, God was not surprised by it. God knew all this was coming. He's sovereign. He knows for us next. And in order to ask that question, we need to be prepared for what God has for us next. We don't say, God, what do you have for us next, and then decide if we want to engage with God. We, we ask God what is next because we are anticipating and ready for what God has for us next. So I'm going to ask you this morning to take your Bibles and turn to Joshua chapter 4 with me. And we're going to look at a really, really cool story. It's one of my more favorite stories of the Old Testament. And look at how this uh, situation with Israel compares to what we are, where we are today, especially in asking the question, question you know, is next for us. So uh, let me tell you what's going on in the book of Joshua. Uh, Israel's been wandering in the wilderness and God has finally brought Israel to the promised land. Uh, he brought them there a long time before. However, um, uh, they sent spies into the promised land. They said, oh, we can't take this land. The people are, are huge and they're going to squash us like bugs. They actually said we, we, were, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And there were two members of the, of the 12 spies who went in named uh, Caleb and Joshua who said, no, nah, we can do this. But Israel decided not to. And because of that, God caused them to wander in the wilderness for 40 more years. Well, now they're at the point now where they are actually going to cross the Jordan River into the promised land that God has promised to them. So what happened is... Uh, the, the Jordan River was too deep for all the people to, to just walk across. So God had them take the Ark of the Covenant and hold it in the river and stop the water so that the people could cross. Okay? So the Ark went in, the water, the water stopped, the people crossed, the Ark came out, and then the water would go again. So I want to, after they're crossing the, the Jordan here, I want to read to you what, what's going on in Joshua. It says, now when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua, saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from each tribe, tribe, and command them, saying, Take up for yourselves twelve stones from here, out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priests' feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you, and lay them down in the lodging place where you will lodge tonight." So Joshua called the twelve men whom he had appointed from sons of Israel, one man from each tribe, and Joshua said to them, Cross again to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. And each of you 
take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. Let this be a sign among you so that when your children ask later, saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall say to them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. So God instructed them to take 12 stones from the river and to build a memorial. Now, we memorials, we also call them monuments today. Why do we build memorials and, and, and monuments? Why do we do that? Well, I believe there's several reasons why we do that. Um, there were reasons for Israel to do that. And we're going to see the same reasons are true for us today and why we do that as well. So uh, there are lots of reasons, but I want to focus on a few. Why do we build monuments? Well, the first reason we do that is we need to remember where we came from. You see, for Israel, this was a pivotal time in their history. Israel had been delivered from Egypt, and they had been wandering in the wilderness for over 40 years. And an entire generation of Israelites had passed away. And another generation was now waiting for the land that God had promised his people. So, we read that they took stones from the river to build a monument. So why do we build monuments? We build monuments to remember. Mommy, mo bleh, monuments from war re remember those who were fallen, those who sacrificed their lives. We build monuments to great events. Some monuments commemorate somebody's life, somebody who was born in a particular place. And people go to different historical sites around the country all the time and see all kinds of monuments. Now, friends, I have to admit to you, I'm one of those people who are just a miserable person, uh, depending on your personality, to go to a museum with or to a battlefield or to a monument with. I'm a terrible person to go with. Why? Because I want to read everything. Because they have plaques and they have other things written down, and I want to read because I want to know everything I can about this place or about these people or about this individual. I want to know. I want to know why this monument is standing here. They put it there for a reason. I'd like to know why, because if it was important enough for them to do that, I'd like to understand why they did it. So that we can, and they put it there so we can look at it and we can read it and we can remember what this monument represents. A few years ago, my family and I went to Gettysburg, Pennsylvania and we were on the battlefield of Gettysburg. And that was a really cool experience and a really neat experience. And like many other occasions, I read everything I could while we were there at Gettysburg. And one of the neat things that I found at Gettysburg, just an example here, is this monument here. This is the monument uh, to the 1st Minnesota Infantry. Now, why would there be a monument there to the 1st Minnesota Infantry? I'm so glad you asked. Because I read, I know why it was there. On the monument itself, there is a plaque, and I want to read to you what the plaque says. And this is what it says. It says, On the afternoon of July 2nd, 1863, Sickles Third Corps, having advanced from this line to the Emmitsburg Road, eight companies of the 1st Minnesota Regiment, numbering 262 men, 
were sent to this place to support a battery upon Sickles' repulse. As his men were passing here in confused retreat, two Confederate brigades in pursuit were crossing the swale. To gain time to bring up the reserves and save the position, General Winfield Scott Hancock ordered the eight companies to charge the rapidly advancing enemy. The order was instantly repeated by Colonel William Colville, and the charge was immediately made down the slope at full speed through the con concentrated fire of the two brigades, breaking with the bayonet the enemy's front line as it was crossing the small brook in the low ground. There, the remnant of the eight companies, nearly surrounded by the enemy, held its entire force at bay for a considerable time until it retired on the approach of the reserve. The charge successfully accomplished its objective. The first Minnesota saved this position and probably the entire battlefield. The loss of the eight companies in the charge was 215 men, more than 83% of the regiment. The remaining 47 men were still in line and no man had retreated. In self-sacrificing, desperate valor, this charge has no parallel in any war. The next day, the remaining 47 men of the regiment participated in rebelling Pickett's charge, losing 17 more men. That's amazing. Had they not built that monument, had I not stopped to read that, I would never have known that story. Friends, we don't build monuments for frivolous things. We build monuments for things that we need to remember. We need to remember these places and these events. But let's bring this a little closer to home, shall we? We need to remember where we came from and where we come from as a church. The recent events will be a part of our church history and will play a part in who we are as we move forward as a church. I've told my sons and and my daughter that years from now their kids or their grandkids will even ask them tell us what it was like when the whole country closed down because of this worldwide pandemic and they'll have stories to tell one of the things that I appreciated about my last church was there was a group in the church called the wisdom club and this was a group of individuals who were all much older in our church. They're all senior citizens and retired. And once a month, I had the privilege of joining them for lunch. They would meet at the church once a month and have lunch. And I always made sure that I joined them and had lunch with them. Now, why did I do that? Because the food was amazing? Well, yeah, the food was amazing. They all brought food and it was amazing. But what I loved was to sit and listen to what they had to say about the church and about the church many years ago, things that have happened in the past, what God had done in the church in the past. It was really, really cool to listen to them, to learn things that I did not know, and to realize and understand that the events that they were talking about were significant in shaping the church that exists today. You see, friends, all that we are as a, a church today has been shaped and molded by the past. Let's make it even a little more personal. We need to remember where we come from, not only as a church, but we need to remember as individuals. 
Some of you in our church, I know your stories very well. But the truth is, we all have a history. We all have a past. We all have a journey that we're on. Our home, our upbringing, our family, our parents. There are those of us who have come to know Christ as adults, and we can remember what it was like before we knew Christ. There are those who were so privileged to be raised in a Christian home and came to know Christ as an early age. See, friends, God uses our past and our history and our experiences in many ways. And one of the important ways that he helps, that he uses us to help the church is he uses our history and our experience to help others. You see, friends, we need to remember where we came from because some of the things that we have experienced as individuals can help someone else going through something similar. You see, friends, you can share what God has taught you through good decisions and bad decisions. We need to remember where we came from as individuals. This is also important, too. We need to remember what God has done for us in the past. When we ask God what's next, we need to remember what God has done in the past for us as a church and for us as individuals. Now, I've been a part of our church now for 10 years, and I've heard many stories of what God has done in the past through this church. But in the last 10 years, we have many stories as well about what God is continuing to do. And I've seen God work at so many work in so many ways since I've been a part of our church family, through the lives of individuals, through families, and through our church body itself. You see, Israel needed to remember what God had done for them, what God had done for them in the past. As they crossed the River Jordan, there's, uh, gosh, what, there was something else that happened with Israel where they were crossing a body of water. What was that? Oh, yeah, the Red Sea, right? Israel had fled Egypt, and they were at the banks of the Red Sea, and the Pharaoh and his army was pursuing them, and they were like, okay, we're kind of trapped here. we got no place to go. And they kind of looked at Moses and said, what are we going to do now? Well, let me take you to Exodus chapter 14. This is what Moses said. But Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which, we, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Now, we know what happened. God opened up the seas. Israel crossed through the Red Sea, and the Egyptians were all drowned. Some people have said it was just a little stream, and the wind blew and kind of cleared away for them to go across. Well, if that's true, then how did the Israelites all drown if it was just a stream? No, this was the Red Sea, friends. God opened it up and they crossed. Now, Israel was all excited about what God did. So what did they do to remember? They wrote a song. And they worshipped God. And they celebrated. And the song is written right there in Exodus. I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has thrown the horse and the rider into the sea. They celebrated. But later, in the end of chapter 15, they were whining to Moses because they had water, and water didn't taste good. 
and they were mourning and complaining. And if you look through Israel's experience in the wilderness, they, they complained a lot. And a lot of times they did really because they were forgetting what God had done and what God would continue to do. Friends, we need to remember what God has done in the past so that we can trust that he will continue to work in our present and the future. Take a moment and think about that. We need to remember what God has done in the past so that we can trust that he will continue to work in our present and our future. We need to remember so that we will be able to face trials and difficulties, friends. Now, we've been facing a lot of trials and difficulties over the past couple months and still now. Now, the bad news is, friends, we will have trials. Sorry to tell you that. Jesus actually made that promise to us. In this world, you will have trouble. Did he say that because he wanted us to have trouble? No, but the truth is we are going to face difficulties. We are going to face trials. We are going to face troubles because we live in a fallen world, friends. And when we face troubles, we need to remember who we put our trust in. 2 Corinthians, Paul says this, he says, We are not adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. Paul was saying that his trust is not in himself, but in the Lord, because he is adequate and I am not. We need to remember that, friends. We need to remember that. And because of that, we need to remember not to be afraid. It says 365 times in the Bible to not be afraid. In Psalm 27, look at what David wrote. He said this, he said, Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. This was a time of celebration for Israel as they crossed the Jordan. But it must have been a mixed bag of emotions. God promised them that land. However, the land was still inhabited by other people. And the other thing is, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but once they crossed the Jordan, they were not able to go back. Because after the ark came across, the river started flowing again. I'm sure there was some fear uh, militarily, this was a terrible tactic because you've removed your escape route. But God showed them that they must rest in him, as David said. They must wait for us in the past so that we will be prepared for God, what God will do next. If we're going to say, what's next? If we're going to ask God, what's next? We need to be prepared for it. And part of that preparation is remembering what God has done in the past. We need to remember that God has gone before us and God always goes before us. No matter what happens in our lives, no matter what happens in our church, no matter what happens in our world, God is never surprised. When Israel went across the Jordan River, what went first? The Ark of the Covenant. In chapter 3 of Joshua, the instructions for Israel were, follow the Ark. The Ark represented God himself. They were literally following God as they were going across the river. God was going before them. Friends, we need to remember that God has gone before us. And we need to re remember that and take that step of faith. 
This was a really cool time because if you look back before the passage we've read in Joshua, when those priests came to the river carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the water was flowing. And as the first priest stepped his foot into the river, the water was flowing. But as soon as his foot hit the water, the water stopped. It was a step of faith for him a little bit, wasn't it? We need to expect miracles, friends. Is he God or isn't he? Is he the God of all creation or isn't he? Is he the God of the universe? Is he the God who parted the Red Sea, the God who brought Israel into the promised land and helped them to take that land? Is he or isn't he? We need to expect miracles. And when we are preparing for what God will do, we have to have the attitude, or at least the, the uh, position of Israel. No retreat. You see, once Israel crossed the river, there was no going back. Israel couldn't go back, and God wasn't going back. We need to be willing to say no retreat. We are trusting in God. We will continue to move forward. We will continue to follow back. And we will live by faith regardless of what we see, regardless of the circumstances. We will trust where God is leading us. No retreat. Friends, we also need to remember what God has done for us in the past so, so that we can teach those who come after us. Our children need to learn so that they can carry on. As Israel crossed over to the promised land, there were only two individuals who were there when God promised that land to Israel. Caleb and Joshua, that whole generation, the rest of them were gone. As a church, we have been given the charge to reach, to reach the lost. Friends, that isn't a charge for just one generation. It is a charge from God that goes from generation to generation because we are the body of Christ. Those of us who are parents have the responsibility to pass God's truth to our children. It is our responsibility, friends. It's not the churches. The church will come alongside parents and help them to do that. But as parents, it is our responsibility to pass on the truth of God's word and the gospel to our children. As a, but, as a body of believers, we are all responsible for passing on God's truth to those who come behind us. We all play a part. We are responsible for passing on his call to reach the law as well through all of our means to reach those who need Jesus Christ. So when they are ready, they will be able to pass it on to the next generation. We need to say more to the children than just trust in the Lord. We need to say trust in the Lord because trust in the Lord because look what he has done. Trust in the Lord because this is what he did for me. Trust in the Lord because this is what he did for the church. Trust in the Lord because this is what he did for Israel. Trust in the Lord because he is still moving, he is still working, and he is still doing miracles. Expect miracles, friends, because they keep happening. We need to learn that miracles are not a maybe. Miracles are not a helpful, friends. Miracles are an expectation because God is still God. The same God who brought Israel across the Jordan River is the same God who has been at work here in our church for over 50 years, and he's the same God who will continue to work here for many years to come. We need monuments because the world needs to see the power and the mightiness of our God. And we need to see who God is through our church and through our individual lives. 
so that they might come to know the Lord. They need to see that God changes lives so that he can be glorified. Friends, God was glorified through Israel. And may God be glorified as his hand works and moves through us. So we've talked about monuments. We've talked about Israel's monuments. But what, about, what are our monuments today? Israel took those stones, it says a little later, and they built a monument so that when their children would ask, what do these stones mean to you, they could tell them, God brought us across the Jordan River into the promised land. What do we do to remember what God has done? Well, we have holidays like Easter and Christmas. We come to the communion table. But what are our monuments? We don't have any piles of rocks, do we? But the truth is, each one of us are monuments. And I don't know if you ever thought of yourself that way. Each of us is a monument to the glory of God. Each of us is a living testimony to what, has God, to what God has done in our lives. And our faith is a testimony to what God will continue to do. We need to remember that, friends. You are a walking, living testimony who has the responsibility to share with others just how awesome the God is. Friends, as we continue to move forward as a church, and we ask God the question, what's next? We need to not be afraid. We need to expect miracles. And we need to be ready to be used by him when he says, okay, friends, okay, this is what's next. Because, friends, God's not done with us yet. We need to be ready to move when God says move. So will you join me in seeking God and asking him, what's next for us? Would you pray with me? Father, we ask that, for, we ask that this morning we pray, Lord, what is next? What do you have left for us as a church? As things change, as many things change in our lives, we know, God, that you do not change. And we praise you for that. But we pray that you'd give us clear guidance and direction. And that you would continue to lead us as we move forward without retreat. Ready to do what you have next for us. So I pray that as we go into our week here, Lord, that you would use us as your living monuments to your glory. That we may tell others about your love. Empowered by the strong name of Jesus Christ, led by your Holy Spirit, Lord, sharing the good news of the gospel. Use us, Lord, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Have a blessed day.